0: the Children's Church. <clears throat> All right, wonderful, wonderful. All right, if you have your Bibles, be finding Genesis 25. If, for those of you who just uh, came in a few minutes ago, we'll read this text again. Verse 21 Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his request. And Rebekah conceived, and the children struggled within her. And she said, Why is this happening to me? And she inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, Because two nations are in your womb, two peoples. And they'll be divided, and one will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. There's two kinds of, there's two kinds of people that you're going to give birth to. That's why there's, there's such a struggle. And when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins. In verse 24. We've looked at the life of Abraham and the life of Isaac. We've seen the last uh, couple of weeks how Isaac sought for a bride and found Rebekah, and that they were married. We talked last week about he married her, then he loved her, and now they have uh, conceived children, and the topic is now going to turn in the book of Genesis to Jacob, because God says he's the God, Exodus 3:6, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, those are the three patriarchs, out of which came the whole nation of Israel, out of which came the Messiah, and out of which came the church. So she felt them struggle within her. Um, let me begin by just taking a closer look at the text and look at the three terms used of the unborn in this passage. First, you'll notice in verse 22 that they are called children. Here, the Hebrew word is ben, plural is benim, the children. Actually, this is the word for sons. Adult sons. If you're in chapter 25, you can back up there to where Abraham died, the father of Isaac. And in verse 9, Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him. Um, there, the word sons, there's the same word used in verse 22. The sons. The Benim struggled within her. So my point here is simply this. The word that is used of a full-grown man, an adult, is also used of an unborn child. There's no difference between these two. One is as much of a person as the other. An unborn child is not a glob a cluster of sails, they are Benim people. So, uh, and I just add this, that when uh, John the Baptist was still in the mother's womb, in Elizabeth's womb, Luke one forty four says, that Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, walked in to see Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John, and it says in Luke one forty four, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Did you know that a baby can feel joy? A baby in the womb, John the Baptist, recognized the presence of Jesus and jumped for joy. They can feel. And they are considered biblically to be persons, that they're not, they're considered to be humans with potential, not potential humans. All right. so the word benim, children, verse 22. The second word that is used here is nations, look at verse 23, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. This is the Hebrew word which is very common among the Jews, goyim, a goy. What is a goy? Usually it means a Gentile to a Jew, but what it really means is a heathen. For example, in Psalm 2, 1, it says, why do the heathen rage? The people imagine a vain thing. The Hebrew word for heathen there is goyim, same word used here two little heathen are in your womb two little sinners this is the idea here they struggled Ratzaz within her a word which means to bang the head uh, Judges nine fifty three. a woman threw a millstone down on a head and crushed it same word used here as struggled to to bang the head, to mash the head so you got these two little uh, unborn babies and they're into this tight place and one of them bonks the other on the head have you ever seen two little children maybe in the nursery or one of them, they'll be sitting on the floor one of them will have a toy plastic fire truck or something and they'll be just playing along and all of a sudden one of them will look up and bonk, <laughs> just hit him in the head for no reason. It's like, what did you do that for? I don't know. Well, the Bible tells us these are, these are little goyim, they're little heathen, and they're at some point are going to need to come and bow before the Lord Jesus Christ and ask for His Holy Spirit to come into their heart and life and change them. Your children are not blank slates inclined toward all good. They're not little cherubs or angels. No, they're little sinners. Okay, church, I'm just telling you. Listen to... Uh, uh, I'll give you this verse in a minute. So here's a third uh, uh, term, and that is in verse 23, they are peoples. Le home. Peoples. Uh, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples. This means two cultures. Two, uh, as the King James puts it, two manner of people are in your womb. Two types, two different groups. These are different cultures. They're going to have different mindsets. They're going to have different belief systems. And they're going to be divided. In fact, uh, he says they're going to be divided, two groups will be divided, they can't live together, uh, one will prevail over the other, one of them will be stronger, and it's going to be the younger one, the unexpected one, that's going to prevail, not the older one. This is Jacob, who was born after Esau, there are two nations They're going to make two different peoples or cultures, but the younger, the the Israel, is going to ultimately prevail. So God has all this information about them and about our children, their dispositions, their skills, their future. So why would we not bring our children to the God who knows all? So let me give you some things to think about from this passage today. Number one, God gives children. God is a source of life. If you have a child, that child is the gift of God. Now I know that there's some mysteries surrounding pregnancy and and, uh, stillborn children. And I have a, a child myself, Jen and I have a child buried in Texas we, we lost one um, and she is uh, she was a beautiful little six month old baby that died and so there's there's mystery to some of this uh, Job chapter one verse 21 when his children died Job he went and he bowed before God and he said the Lord has given them the Lord took them away blessed be the name of the Lord and he worshipped and this is This is what you do when you encounter a mystery. You can't explain it. You worship. So the first thing, though, I want to point out is he prayed for his wife and the Lord granted his prayer. God gives children. Number two, we would say that uh, sin begins in the womb. Psalm 58. These children struggle together together. In the womb. Psalm 58 puts it like this The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth speaking lies. They have venom like a serpent. This is little children. Wicked are, when do they start being mean? They can start in the womb. Uh, They beat each other on the head in the womb. Sin begins early. I heard about a little fella. His mother and father never disciplined him, and he was having an awful time in school. They couldn't get him to settle down, stay in his desk. Finally, they sent for the mother and said, You need to discipline him. And she said, I never hit my little Johnny except in self-defense. So that was her response. They called in the psychologist, and he walked in, and he leaned over, and he whispered something in little Johnny's ear at which he promptly sat down and never got up the whole class. He was totally still and quiet the rest of the time. And somebody asked the psychologist, what what did you whisper to him? He said, I told him that if he didn't sit down and be quiet, I was going to take him out back and beat the stuffings out of him. So there's that. Now, I'm not recommending that, you understand. But I do think that children, need disciplines and boundaries and parameters. I'm just telling you, because children are by nature sinful and selfish. So they need to be taught and brought up and pointed the right direction. And sometimes disciplined. So here's a third point that I think we should think about in this passage. And that is that children become nations. God looks ahead and sees the result of these two boys. And he says, two nations are in your womb. Now, this is something to ponder. Some time ago, when we, were, we were in the early parts of Genesis, and I was looking at Genesis chapter 4, and um, where Cain killed Abel. And I noticed something. It said, uh, uh, God comes to, Abe, to Cain and says, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. And the word blood, I noticed in Hebrew, is plural. The, the voice of your brother's blood cries to me. And I thought, that's kind of strange. Why is that plural? And it's not just there, it's in other places. And then I, when I was looking at this passage, uh, a commentary by a Jewish rabbi pointed this out. He said, you'll notice that when that a child grows up normally, naturally, gets married, has children then ultimately, in history, they develop exponentially in growth an entire nation. Think about that. When I was in Texas pastoring, uh, there was a a rather influential gentleman who who got really, really mad at me. I don't even remember exactly what it was about. But I do remember that he drove up into my driveway. Uh, this is, I think, this is my first year there. It was just me and Jan, and uh, he got out of the truck, and I went out to greet him. His name was Otis, and he pointed his finger at me and he said, "I will shoot you with my rifle." Ooh, they don't train you what to do about those kind of things in seminary (coughs) and uh, so we talked a little bit but he reiterated I will shoot you right here in this driveway he said you ought to ask somebody about the man who's buried out back I was like whoa (laughs) okay well what if he had actually done that he didn't obviously I'm here Um, What if he had done that? Give me that picture of, uh, this is is our family photo at Christmas. That's four children and 15 grandchildren. If he had shot me, none of those people would be in that picture. Fifteen grandchildren totally removed from history. So when he says to, to Isaac two, or Rebecca, two nations are in your womb, he's looking ahead. You see, you give those people another thousand generations like we were singing. How many people is that going to be? A lot. It's gonna be, they're going to be a nation. You give us a thousand years, that'll be a nation. If they all get married and have children, have a bunch of them, and all them get married, which, by the way, do it. I want to encourage that. In fact, I was just uh, thinking the other day I should design my own flag now and then hand it down. But here's an example. Um, Confucius in China. He lived before Christ and had three children. And the the reason I'm using him as an example is because they have meticulously registered every one of his descendants. Here today, 2,000 years later, they have over 80 generations. They now have 2 million registered descendants of Confucius. That's 80 generations. What did Exodus chapter 20 say? For a thousand generations I will bless you. Now that's a nation, folks. So when he says, and by the way, let me point this out. When you, if there's an abortion, they just killed a nation. If there's a murder, of which there were 25,000 murders in the United States last year, that's a killing 25,000 nations. You're killing a nation, and when you stand before God, that's going to show up on your record unless it's expunged by the blood of Christ. So here he says God looked down through the ages and saw that these are nations. These are Beethovens, poets, and builders, and prophets, and plumbers, and scholars, and inventors, and inventions. All will perish if Jacob does. So that's something to think about. Here's number four in our last point to think about. And that is that God knows and even determines our future. He says in verse 24, When her days to give birth were completed, Behold, there were twins. See, God told them that and behold, it came true. And they were totally different. In verse 27, when the boys grew up, chapter 25, verse 27, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. He was a homeboy. While Esau was a hunter. You see, they're different. God predicted that. And you really wanted to go to the furthest extent, if you'll notice in verse 30, Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted. Uh, Therefore, his name was called Edom, which means red. So uh, uh, Esau became the Edomites, the Edomite nation. Jacob became the Israelite nation. Jacob had uh, 12 sons. And they had families or tribes. His name was changed to Israel. So there's the 12 tribes of Israel. Esau, he moved south to an area called Edom. And what what did it say here? Two nations are in your womb, they will be divided. They're a different manner of people. But the younger one is going to outstrip the older one, he's going to be superior. Obadiah one eighteen puts it like this: The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Esau will be the stubble. They will burn and consume, and there will be no survivor in the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Give me the, give me the next picture of uh, of Israel. I think this is Tel Aviv. No, Tel Aviv. Yeah. This is modern day Israel. Now, go back to the one of Edom. This is, this is the, what's left of Edom. Remember that verse in Obadiah? There will be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Anybody see a survivor in that picture? <laughs> There's nobody there. Give me the next one of Edom. Uh, It's barren land south of Judea. But in Israel, it's populated. It's the stronger, even though he says here the, the weaker is going to be the stronger one. And that is what has happened. So God knows these nations. And God predicts them. And God determines them. Now let me just give you this. Uh, We have to bring Paul in here uh, before we conclude on on, uh, Jacob and Esau. But Paul was confronted about why so many Jews rejected Jesus the Messiah in the first century. They wanted to know why. And Paul says in Romans chapter 9 verse 10... When Rebecca conceived children by Isaac, though they were not born yet, or had done neither good or evil, but so that God's purpose in election might stand up or continue. Not because of works, but because of his calling on their life, his intervention. She was told the older will serve the younger. Paul explains the rejection by a great majority of Jews. By pointing, he says, look at Jacob and Esau. Uh, They were both totally Jewish. Abraham was their grandfather. Isaac was their father. They were born in the both in the womb of Mary. But God determined their lives before they were born. Why? Because he wants people to know it's not your works or merits that brings God's grace to you. So he steps in before they had ever done anything good or evil. He stepped into their life. And he said, this one is going this direction. This one's going this direction. And if blessing has come to you, be careful... That you don't outline it and tell somebody, oh, if you just do this and this and this like I did, then you'll have all the blessing I have. No, listen. We give God praise for grace and mercy that's undeserved. That's the lesson of Jacob and Esau. That, he says, they had done neither good nor bad. But in order that God's purpose in election might stand up, Not because of works, but because of his call. It was said the older will serve the younger. God wanted us to know it's by grace alone and not what we have deserved. The older you get, the more you will realize the truth of this statement and our need for the grace of God and the exercise of his sovereignty in order to redeem us. Let's pray together and um, Bud you come, let's uh, have our ushers come and we'll worship with tithes and offerings. Dear Heavenly Father we thank you today for uh, guiding us in this scripture and we thank you that you are the sovereign Lord over all. We thank you that you have blessed us with so much here in the United States that we, that we are not hungry, that we have families and we have lives and we have jobs and, and all of these things, and we are just, we're blessed beyond description. And we give you praises today, in Jesus' name, Amen.